Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Radio Imbibe from Imbibe Magazine. I'm Paul Clark, the executive editor of Imbibe, and if you've been following the magazine for very long, then you know that at this time of year, kicking off things every January, we like to introduce you to the Imbibe 75, our list of people, places, and organizations that will affect the way you drink in the months and years ahead. If you're a subscriber to Imbibe, then you should have our 2022 Imbibe 75 issue in your hands by now. And if you aren't a subscriber, then stick with me. I'll fill you in on how to change that. You can see that we have some really amazing and talented people in that issue, from bartenders and brewers to people working in the fields of sake, tea, and beyond. For this episode, we're heading into the wine world and bringing you our conversation with one of our Imbibe 75 people to watch for this year, Linda Milagros Villalago. Linda is a sommelier and wine professional originally from Canada, and she's worked around the world over the years, giving her really unparalleled insight into what winemakers are doing today. This past summer, Linda took up a new job right here in my hometown of Seattle as part of the wine program at Canlis, a storied family-owned restaurant that regularly ranks among the country's top destinations for wine. Here's my interview with Linda as we talk about the path she followed that eventually brought her to Canlis what it's like getting involved with a wine list as deep and influential as what the restaurant offers, and what she has planned for the days ahead. Thank you very much for doing this. I do appreciate you taking the time. Uh, and at the time that we're chatting, it's late October, and this issue will come out in January. Uh, but right now, you've been in your role at Canlis for almost two months now. How has it been settling into the new spot? Uh, I mean, it's as crazy as I thought it would be, uh, and I'm as in the weeds as I had anticipated. Uh, <laughs> so for people that might not understand or know exactly what's happened, I've moved my life which is not unusual for me. I've moved moved to Seattle from from Winnipeg, which is my hometown, which is where I chose to be during the pandemic because, um, you know, Canada, healthcare, inexpensive rent. I also thought it would only be for two months, not 18, uh, like everybody else. Um, so it was a good place to hide out. And then, uh, and then I was ready to emerge from my cocoon. And um, this was a role that, that honestly came my way. I didn't I, I knew about it, and, uh, and, but I hadn't actively pursued it for various reasons, including the pandemic and lockdown and borders being closed. And so I've been here for two months and stepping into uh, a role like this. So it's now I'm leading the program at Canlis, which is a restaurant, of course, that's been around for 70 years, um, which is a lot to step into. So it's not just the wine program that I'm learning. I have to learn where the paper is. I have to learn how to serve tables and from what direction. And I have to learn the food. And oh, by the way, there's a new chef who's been there since the summer. I think she started in May. Um, And a new menu. And there's a lot of new staff, both in the kitchen and on the floor. So there's a lot of new. Uh, And then there's stepping into uh, this inventory that I've never seen before and dealing with that and admin and buying and it's pretty fun. So I'm exactly where I expected to be, which is in the weeds and I'm having a whole lot of fun. <laughs> Excellent. And you know, I was preparing for this interview and almost referred to you as the wine director there, but you you don't currently have a label or a title. Is that correct? That's correct. Where'd you hear that from? <laughs> it's true. <laughs> It's true. We're actively not giving it a label because mm-hmm. it's not 
it's it's a role that I don't particularly like. I'm not just directing. We want it to be more collaborative with the, myself and the team around me who has been in this market, working in this market for a number of years where I haven't. And so they know what's moving. They know what's they're, you know, they're exposed to wines that uh, that I haven't tasted in the last few years. Uh, and so there's there's that. But uh, also it's just it's a term that I I do more than just direct. I'm working on the floor. Uh, every night, so I'm very active uh, in that way. Yeah, I don't know. I yeah. just say that I'm leading the program. I <laughs> and and for those who are unfamiliar with the program at Candlers, or may not know the full details, uh, the wine program, so to speak, is the real deal. <laughs> you know, it's it's uh, you have around ten sommeliers roughly on staff, and more than twenty two thousand bottles in the cellar somewhere in there. So the number of bottles is correct. We have currently uh, there's eight of us. Mm -hmm. Um, on the wine team and two to three of us work during service every night. We have two sellers on site. We have some wine off site as well and about 22,000 or so bottles, probably more. Right. Which is a pretty significant thing to step into. It is. Uh, I'm lucky that it's not unfamiliar territory for me. I worked at Charlie Trotter's and we had a pretty, pretty hefty, pretty hefty list. Um, it's been some time since I've worked with a list this big, for sure. And it's uh, a whole lot of fun, that's for sure. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> and before coming here to Seattle and coming to Canlis, you've been working in the wine world for quite some time. Uh, in 13 countries, I believe, and I'm not sure yeah. how many positions as part of that. You, you mentioned you Charlie Trotters. You did some good homework. I did some homework. <laughs> I did some homework. And so I was wondering, how did that range of professional experience prepare you for stepping into this new role? And what was it that persuaded you to apply for the job? Because you'd mentioned earlier that you're, you know, you're kind of thinking about it a little bit before you stepped into it. Well, first of all, the moving around kind of just happened. It was never by choice. I was very fortunate to have opportunities just pop up when I needed them, and I, and I went. Being Canadian also from a country that has good um, but limited both exposure to international wines and limited wines in our own country i was forced very young to learn about wines on an international level so i'm not really i don't think i'm extremely biased to any country and then moving around that kind of helped because it meant that i wanted to keep looking for these international wines so if i was in spain i was looking for wines from australia if i was in australia i was looking wines from italy you know that kind of thing and i like a global perspective and it's really relevant these days when we're looking to not just stay in our own cocoons we're looking out so that that's just stayed with me how i came to this job well i i mentioned that i i knew about the job and I don't always actively, I almost never actively look for work, but I'm always curious to see what's happening out there. And, um, and I look at job boards and, um, and it kind of informs me to see what, what's happening in the industry of a city. Like New York for a long time had a lot of big positions open, none of which I thought suited me or none of which interested me, but also again, the borders were closed so I couldn't go anywhere anyway, so it's a, you know, a moot point. Uh, but it's interesting to see, oh, there's a lot of people that are leaving New York, for example. Uh, and I saw that Canlis, you know, I'd read that Nelson was leaving. I saw that Canlis was advertising uh, the position and I thought, man, this could be interesting. But I mean, it's a family restaurant. They've been around for 70 years. But also the borders closed. so There's no point for me even to concern. And then uh, I was getting pretty low and discouraged because in my hometown, it's a vibrant community of food uh, and there's a lot of different things that you can eat, but it's not a huge wine community. There's not really a place for someone like me. And, um, you know, I, I, I have my own business of consulting 
and during the uh, during the pandemic that turned into Linda's going to do some virtual tastings online. Linda's going to teach some yoga online. Linda's going to do whatever she can online like <laughs> everybody else. And so I had a website. I even got on Instagram, which is hysterical because I don't even have a smartphone. And, uh, and somehow, randomly, someone sent me a message who's a wine rep here. And she said, you don't know me. I don't know you. I've been following your career. There's this job position open in my city, Seattle. It's called Canlis. Maybe you've heard of it. And I think you'd be good for the job. Call me, because uh, I can put you in contact with somebody who can, who's helping them look. And so I spoke to her and I said, yeah, this is interesting. Like someone's approaching me. So it's like, you got to tell me what, what's up. And then I ended up speaking with uh, Erica, who is a former employee of Canlis, but she had to leave. She is a former member of the wine team. And she had to move out east for, for various reasons. And she and I spoke. Uh, for the first time via Zoom, and it was like she and I, she, she was, it was like speaking to my little sister that I never had. It was a really a great connection. We didn't really even talk much about wine. We talked a little bit about the restaurant, and we clicked really well. And she said, well, you know, they already have your resume. Send them a cover letter. Tell them you're interested. I'll tell them what I think, that you should talk to them, and we'll go from there. And I thought, I'll sit on it for a day, think about this letter that I'm going to craft to these people who I don't know, maybe look at their website now and do a little bit of research. And, uh, and within a couple of hours, the two brothers contacted me independently. Like one was like, let me know if you're interested. And the other one was like, so you're interested, so this is your homework. <laughs> and then it started from there, which was great. It came at a great time and um, started in May and we had conversations till July back and forth with one brother and then the other and then both and then sh the new chef and Nelson, the outgoing sommelier, uh, the director. And, uh, and then eventually they flew me down and, and I, I observed and um, basically interviewed with everybody else uh, over two days and had a great time and here I am. Right, right. And we, we had mentioned like the size of the, the seller and you had also mentioned Nelson, uh, who your predecessor at Canlis, who had been in the role or had been at Canlis for almost 20 years uh, and it had worked his way up through, you know, basically through the ranks there at the restaurant. What kind of foundation did you inherit from him aside from just the sheer number? Uh, and how do you build upon something like that? I inherited a, a deep, deep, and it's not from Nelson, it's from Nelson and his predecessors and his coworkers and his team. Um, all the people that, you know, it's not just Nelson that, that, that is important in the history of Canlis. There's Shane Bjornholm and Jackson Rohrock and Chris Tangi, and I'm forgetting a million names of both master sommeliers and just leads Paul Coker, who was their cellar master before I left, Elton Nichols, who's the current vice director, who's, who's outgoing. Like there's just so many people and there's just so much history in that wine list that started from I don't know what to, to get to where it is. And it's a fun classic list, uh, absolutely. Classic in terms of classic European regions. And uh, of course, it's very deep in um, Pacific Northwest or Western United States. And part of that reflects what's available in the market now, which it's kind of a, I feel like Seattle is like um, um, the redheaded stepchild in the cities of North America. And, you know, compared to where I've worked out east, you know, we can't get, I have to be a bit of a pirate. We can't get what I, I'm used to be able to getting. Uh, so I have to dig a little deep and get some wines. So I inherited, I inherited a great foundation and a great list of classic wines, which are super fun. Like the other day I was selling some Eau de Leroy and 
we were just having a blast on the weekend. It's fun to step into that, you know. Um, but now I, I want to continue that, but also bring in, which speaks to your question about what's going to happen in the future, I want to bring in, you know, wines from regions that aren't represented on the list, that probably you see elsewhere, like the Jura, um, better represent the Loire Reds, better represent other countries. Georgia isn't here. Part of that's because of distribution. Um, and also producers that haven't been spoken about before or that are new and upcoming. Definitely I want to see diversity and um, inclusion better represented. But I inherited something really great as a foundation and I want to build on that. So I, want to, I don't want to change too much. I might want to get rid of some things um, and build up other areas. And you also mentioned that you're coming into Canlis at a time when it's recently welcomed a new chef, uh, Aisha Ibrahim. Uh, and Canlis is a place that's such an institution. You keep mentioning it's been around for 70 years. Uh, and chefs and psalms and, and so many members of the team stay there for years and decades. Uh, moving forward in the years to come, how do you see you and Chef Ibrahim working together to move Canlis into its next chapter? You mentioned a few things, but I, I'm wondering, like, the restaurant as a whole, how do you, you know, move this entire ship forward? I'll be honest. Aisha and I um, meet once every couple of weeks to try and check in with each other. Um, <laughs> more on a mental health thing and, and a personal <laughs> thing than, than a work thing. We are both um, still very much newbies and still trying to uh, define our roles and define our teams as the restaurant is trying to redefine itself post-pandemic. Like there's a lot of there's a lot of change that's happening, and part of it is like, we don't really know what we want to change into. Uh, we, we definitely want to be agents of change. And when I say we, it's not just Aisha and myself, but it's also Mark and Brian Canlis, the, the, the executive team. She definitely has like a five-year plan in her head, and that's how she thinks. I don't think that way. Uh, I just want to keep building and showing diversity and in terms of food, I think our list lacks wines that can better support her cuisine. The, it's a very different type of cuisine from what I understand uh, from what was offered before. There's a lot of Asian flavors and ingredients, all as much local as possible. And, and our wine list is a little bit heavy-handed. Um, part of that's the area. Washington wines aren't super delicate, especially the reds, um, unless you get stuff with age. Uh, so I want to be able to work in that direction. And I'm doing that right now with the wines by the glass and slowly with wines by the bottle. I think Aisha and I speak the same language when it comes to supporting local when we can, um, organic when we can, small producers when we can, honoring the land that we're on. So we've been talking about land acknowledgement and how to weave that in and how to, where do we talk about that and how do we talk about that. Uh, and then something that we've been talking about for months and it's not going to happen anytime soon, unfortunately, is more community work. So the work that we do is, is a little bit about the restaurant and the agents of change in the hospitality business, but it's also about being better stewards in the community and better leaders in the community. And, and that makes total sense because, you know, throughout its, its existence, Canlis has always been very much a part of Seattle, very much a part of the Pacific Northwest. And it's not just isolated to this one restaurant space. Mm -hmm. uh, they, they've been very active in the city and the community. Well, Linda, thank you so much for taking the time to chat. I really appreciate it. And um, I'm looking forward to getting back to Canlis sometime soon. Awesome. Thank you very much. 
You can find Linda on Instagram at trailgrazer99. Just follow the link in this episode's notes to get you there. And that's it for this round. We've got plenty more stories and recipes from this year's Imbibe 75 at imbibemagazine.com. Check us out on Instagram, Pinterest, Twitter, and Facebook for all of our day-to-day updates. And if you're not already a subscriber to the print and or digital issues of Imbibe, then let's change that. Just follow the link in this episode's notes, and we'll be happy to help you out. I'm Paul Clark. This is Radio Imbibe. Catch you next time.